This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This show is brought to you in association with Labbooks. Just click the link on the description to the show, sign up, and get a free bet up to £50 when you enter the promo code LAD50. Go on, do it. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that could sympathise with Scottish rugby fans when it comes to dodgy referees. This week on Heart and Hand, all we're asking for is... Welcome to Heart and Hand, my name's David Edgar, I'm your host and I'm joined this week by the only man qualified to talk about Livingston, yes it's Mr Cameron James Bell. David boy, how are you? I am good Cameron, I'm always enthused to speak to you. It re-synergises your love of the game. Yes, I like that, I like that a great deal actually. And uh, whenever we discuss you know, Livingston, I like to, much in the way as, as 18th century travellers used to kind of write diaries and report back you're an intrepid scout in that area the, the local customs you know like boiling humans with um, in big pots with their top hats on that sort of thing testing witches for flotation absolutely yeah, exactly I'm always saying that you should do that uh, more than you do so it's good to know that you're doing it now uh, Cameron is joining us from uh, Cameron's a late sub this week and I've got to thank him for that Scott will be back folks but Cameron is joining uh, joining us as a, as a late sub this week and uh, it means there'll be some background noise so rather than tweeting you know like 800 of you going mm, what was that noise in the background it's background noise okay <laughs> just, right just live with it it's background noise it's, and you, you have to deal with it so Cameron, loads and loads to talk about. Let's start this week. Uh, I think the best place to start would be at uh, Ibrox on Saturday when Rangers took on Queen of the South and uh, earned a 2-1 victory that was a bit of a struggle. Uh, a tough game. A tough game and a good test, actually. Quite uh, quite enjoyable to watch, if that doesn't sound too perverse because of the fact that we, I think, at times dominated and also think at times struggled. 
Yeah. So a good a good test of character of the team. Uh, a really good way of putting it. We didn't play badly. That's the thing. People have uh, got so used to seeing us win by three and four goals that there's this assumption that we're not playing well. We did actually play well. Queens played well with their game plan. Queens came and they played at times what was a six-three-one. And, and that's and, and that's and that's what teams are going to do now. Yeah. Gonna, uh, they, they tried the open approach and that isn't going to work. And uh, you're going to end up getting cuffed by three, four, five goals. Yeah. So. Uh, they're going to try and chop shop and try and frustrate us and, especially and at Ibrox yeah I mean I, we cannot complain about Queen of the South I saw some Rangers fans on Mark's website saying oh it's terrible it's meant to be entertainment look we've no right to ask teams to come and admire our pretty football it was one of the things that used to drive me up the pole about Dick Advocat um, when he used to complain about play, you know, getting in his, his team's face and Arsene Wenger to another degree coming out with this kind of well if you're going to play like that well they are going to play like that you need to be good enough to to beat them and uh, I think on Saturday Rangers where we made a lot of chances we should have their keeper had an excellent match and we should have had the game won but what pleased me was when we got the penalty which I thought was the penaltyest of all penalties that you'll ever see incidentally just absolutely slaughtered Halliday in the box to miss it and then not to give up because I know even as a fan I went ah that's it We've blew it, and the mentality that they showed to keep going and get the winner, I think, deserves credit. So it does, and, and I made a mention on um, on social media after it that the really pleasing thing for me was everybody joined in the celebration in terms of everyone in the team. You could see how much the players really wanted it, and and I think it's really interesting to note because I don't think the players are allowing any kind of form of. Uh, lax attitude to come in there uh, everyone's steaming forward to try and get three points irrespective of your uh, lead of lead over the second place teams I, I think you're right there but I do worry we have dipped um, the Livingston game which we'll come to in a minute because there were other issues coming from that but the performance levels have dipped and I think that there's a number of factors for that one teams have seen us now so the shock value is gone they, they know what they're up against and they're organising accordingly two the enthusiasm you know the new club uh, or players at a new club just before anyone uh, Celtic minded go ha 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 right I'm, I'm saying that players at a new club were all excited and you know the, the, it's a bit like first day of school isn't it and then it settles down into a routine but I think that the main thing is that people had Warbs is a victim of his own success here that people were now going oh well we're going to go away and we're going to you know slaughter everyone and win, win this and I can't get up to Premier League he took over a club that had no squad, virtually no players left to speak of, bought what he could on a very limited budget and has turned it around. But now you're seeing the limitations of the squad. Halliday's playing, I think, injured, but there's literally no one else to play in his position. And there are two or three others that are having a slight dip in form. So I agree with that. I think that when you look at the, the level of impact that some of the players made right at the start of the season, Udu uh, is an obvious one and I know that we're going to come back to him but if you look at the first game against uh, Alawa when he really, when he really came to, to, uh, to everyone's kind of attention at that stage as well um, that first kind of glimpse that we saw of his ability uh, people will learn from it in the, in the country so not just in the league but when we start having domestic uh, cup games as well people will pick up on all that kind of stuff and they'll start to see that so the more you reveal of your hand the more people will know how to deal with you. So it's just part and parcel of the season. I'm not 
at this point too worried in terms of our squad depth or who we can bring in to, to replace suspensions or injuries but that's going to have to again be part and parcel of the league season that's, that's always the way it's been um, I think it's it's starting to show where some players if they are missing uh, are really key um, and that concerns me a bit and I also don't know if there's plans to release people in, in the January window um, but with what, what Warburton's brought in my feeling is that he's, he's if he knows he's going to lose people and he needs to make replacements uh, he's got his eye on probably some decent talent there I'm a little concerned about Halliday in centre mid I don't think of anyone else who can do that job and I'm very concerned about Waghorn when Waghorn isn't there to play as a central striker or even you know Miller for the latter Clark for the last 20 minutes and I think that that's all the manager trusts Miller or Clark to play centrally for is towards the end when teams are tiring we are short of an out and out striker we've got lots of forwards and wide attackers but we're short of an, an out and out striker and we're short of a defensive mid I agree with that totally I think the main concern for me, and let's put emotion to one side of it, especially when you talk about Kenny Miller, is I, I, I suppose my, my kind of feeling is I don't think Mickey Clark lived up to his reputation since he's come to Rangers. I don't. I'm not. I'm not by any means convinced in terms of where he is. Miller is always going to be that frustrating player who could do something that could win you a game and could miss ten chances in another game. Yeah. And the the thing about Waghorn. And I touched on this in a previous part, was his versatility in terms of where he plays and where Warbit may have to move him out to a flank or play him in the middle or whatever he needs to do with him. I prefer him in the way I think he's cutting in, he's really dangerous. So he is. However, the, the, the point I was going to make was uh, coming back to injuries, coming back to you know his absence is do we feel comfortable that Miller and Clark would be a comfortable pairing if they had no other options and that to me does not sit right no. so I definitely think we need to get more cover in there uh, who or what that looks like is probably a different kettle of fish Can we give a bit of love to Barry Mackay who I think was our best player in the last two matches? I think Barry Mackay has been fantastic and I think that it also talks around the difference and the engagement that Warburton's also had with some of the players that he inherited and, and some of the guys that he's actually been able to, to probably move up a level uh, and there's a big piece in there about development for some of these guys and the guy's got some great prospects um, I, I just want him to make sure that he continues to be able to try and express himself he stays injury free continues a lot of penetrating runs that he does like he's so yeah. eager with the ball it's fantastic uh, but keep that going do you know what I mean keep that keep that work rate up don't curtail him which we've sometimes seen with players previously where we start to get them to, to adjust certain aspects of their game and it takes a wee shine off them I think the, the thing that pleases me most about Mackay is I thought he looked he had talent you know in the third division I thought uh, good young player but then he seemed to go off the rails and you'd heard things about attitude and whatnot. but when, when the gaffer came in in the summer and said everyone gets a fresh start he took that and went right okay and he's clearly revelling and, and having a manager who you know trusts him, believes in him, wants to work hard, you're not hearing anything off the park. There's nothing dodgy. He just seems to be a, a guy who has his head screwed on and is grasping what is clearly a wonderful opportunity. My, my concern, given the, the, the previous regime, predominantly under McCoy, was that when any manager comes in and he starts to train these players, and I mean properly train them, that it would have been such a culture shift 
that some people might not have bought into that. Now, obviously, we've lost people, and we know that, so we wouldn't have seen the full effect of the entire personnel that Warburton came into. But for the guys who have stayed, they've really tried, they've really made that effort. Um, Mackay looks like one of them. Wallace, I think, has done really well off the back of that as well. He's taken on the responsibility of captain. There's still some things there that he needs to work on. But Mackay's at that same prospect as well. It's easy. It's easy to be blasé about these things when that team was in the third division and you've got a young boy playing against a postie who's supposed to be marking him and he's running ring around him because he's got access to professional training plans yeah. and developments and all that. He's probably not utilising it because of his management staff and I understand that. However, now what he looks like is that he actually he looks more mature, like he actually understands the game a lot more. And that, again, like you say, comes back down to that, that development that he's, he's, he's quite clearly bought into. Now, moving on to the Livingston game, and we'll get straight to the, the controversy. The uh, game was 20 seconds old when Nathan Odua got the ball. Hadn't done anything with it yet. There was no rainbow flick. There was no nutmeg or keepy up. He literally took the ball under control, moved forward slightly, and was then, I can't think of another way to put it, the victim of an awful awful challenge which I think he was very fortunate to to get up and walk away from subsequently he has been injured because he continued to be in the end of rough treatment Um, this tackle happened right in front of the referee there are plenty of pictures kicking about on Twitter we we tweeted one if you want to go to the Harp Hand Ibrox Rocks Rangers uh, Twitter account Cammy, why was this deemed an acceptable foul? Was it just because it was a minute in, or not even a minute in, and the referees are still hamstrung by this old-fashioned mentality that you get your first one? Or was there something more to it? It's, so there's a few different schools of thought on that. You could potentially make an argument that uh, normally for a referee, and I've done it, if you've got tackles that are flying in early doors in games, any referee, worst of salt, will tell you that the best weapon that they have in their arsenal is their voice. It's how they communicate with players and how they talk to them. So if the first, first tackle comes in and it's, and it's a horror, uh, some referees may decide to start producing cards. However, I think for me that starts to dictate what the rest of the game should go like. Some referees may decide to, to move away from using a caution or a dismissal and actually use their communicative tools to be able to then explain why the tackle was out of order and then from that minute for the rest of the 90 effectively you're on a warning whether or not he produces another card and otherwise it's down to him. For me I I also I suppose the, the concern I would have with Andrew Dallas is I wonder if he is overshadowed by his father and as a result of that everything he does now is going to be scrutinised and I wonder if that is a mental a mental barrier for him but the little law doesn't make a difference as regards how many minutes are on the clock but that tackle was horrendous yeah. I mean it was really bad I personally I would have liked to have seen him cautioned I don't I don't know if a dismissal that early in the game may have been merited but then at the same perspective as you pointed out he's got no excuse to, to not have or to have claimed that he's not seen it in its full uh, ferocity he, he, he's, he's 15 yards away from it at the very most I'm not a great uh, one for Cammy for you know conspiracies or all the rest of it and uh, I'm not a great one for you know the, the, the referees favour a team or another team uh, I think that that's I've always said this that both Rangers and Celtic fans to complain about it that there are 40 other professional clubs in Scotland who I'm sure can come with a litany of decisions 
and, and complain about it more. And you see, you know, as Scotland, Australia, the rugby, you see that bigger, bigger teams in any sport tend to get more decisions. It's a, it's a facet of human nature. However, there is such a climate on referees at the moment that any decision they give that appears to be pro Rangers uh, is going to be highlighted. Now we see this week that uh, yet again more complaints about Rangers getting penalties that they've had eight penalties. Now there was nothing said when Rangers didn't get a penalty for ten months. The reason y- you've got people going on about Rangers getting penalties when they haven't seen the award. It is ludicrous when you haven't seen the matches to, to be commenting on the amount of penalties. It's simple as to why Rangers are getting penalties, incidentally. Last year, we were never in the opposition box. This year, we live in it. So that's why we're getting a lot more penalties. But there is such a climate that no referee in Scotland is running up, seeing that tackle and going, I'm going to send him off in the first minute. It's just not going to happen because he knows what, what it's likely to unleash on him. I think I think that if that if that had happened, where Dallas had given him a red card in the opening minutes of the game, I think from that that the fury that that would have caused would have then put down that he's absolutely pro Rangers. Yeah. And you've got to you've got to. So I, I agree with you. I don't I don't subscribe to the conspiracy aspect of it as well. But from that perspective, I do believe in incompetence and. If you're talking about having a referee, and we've known for years in Scotland that the referee in set can be fast-tracked quite heavily in the wrong direction. The referees, so I would like to see Dallas punished for that because looking back on it now, you would say that that's a, that's a card at the very least. Okay, so let's, let's see that. But I would like to see that used for him as a learning tool, not because of anything else, and I don't want to see him dragged over the coals or anything else like that, but with his with his position, with his sight of it, uh, he should have taken more action against it. And that's where we'll get better referees if we are more uh, proactive in terms of the amount of action that we take. And it has to be done properly. And as I say, we shouldn't chastise the guy. Uh, but again, like you say, just to simply let it go because we don't want to make too much of an uproar about it in the media isn't acceptable. It doesn't help the game. Now, after the match came, the, the there was more treatment on Adua for the rest of the half, and after the match came the quite peculiar statement from Mark Burchill, who incidentally is a gentleman that, by the sounds of him when he's speaking, sounds as though he needs to be guided by a mentor through the alphabet. But he said afterwards that we're hauling over the calls one of our own, that the, the Livingston player is a young Scottish player who plays for a Scottish club whereas Nathan Odua is an English player and therefore that this tackle was somehow merited because of the nationality of the player who received it you cover Livingston a lot Cammy. Um I'm really intrigued to hear what are your thoughts on this whole furore? So I suppose that the easiest way to put it is back to the I do a tackle there was a tackle put on him by or an elbow I should say by a guy called Hugo Farrier who plays for Livingston who is told weekly as the regards his, his treatment when he dishes about he's far too physical in terms of what he does um, but you're also talking about a Livingston team that knew that they were going to be coming tackle it's probably hiding to nothing they don't have the talent to be able to try and compete and so therefore for me I think we're told to try and go in and put it about a bit against the playmakers against the guys who can make a difference 
and that's where I there's a degree of cynicism within me that then suggests that perhaps the I do attack on the first minute was potentially seen as an early reducer. That's that's. I'm convinced it was. I, I'm convinced that he knew. I'm not getting sent off in the first minute. No, exactly. So he has that almost that grace period at the start of the game. Uh, Livingston simply couldn't have, you know, made any kind of deal against this. Uh, don't get wrong, tactically they kind of more or less got it right because they just created a yellow barricade, which we had to work up. Um, but from a, I suppose really from a, a perspective where Burchill's coming from with it, he, he doesn't have a huge squad, doesn't have a big team in that as well. I don't, I don't quite get the borderline xenophobic comments that he's making regarding players' nationalities. But the player that he's talking about uh, has only just turned professional uh, within the last few months because he inherited them from his under-20 squad. Um, so I think he's having to develop a lot of those players as best he possibly can with the tools that he has. He obviously feels that the best way to try and do that is to, to talk them up and to try and, and not look at the fact that they're bottom in the league by some distance now. Uh, marginally escaped being in the relegation zone last season. Um, and as I made the comment on social media uh, during the week, well, after the, after the game and after his comments came out, if Mark Burchell's still in, in football employment as a manager at Christmas, I'll be amazed because Livingston are going one direction. So... I, I, I can take everything he's saying at the moment where probably a little bit of a kind of pinch of salt with someone who's, who's probably got the water just around about his neck. I don't think that Mark Burchill is racist. There's people who are saying it's racist because um, you know he, he brought up Nathan Adua's Nathan Adua's uh, country of birth. I don't think it was that. Uh, it was xenophobic. Um, whether he meant it to be or not, it was xenophobic. I, I don't think you can argue that. But what I, I, the thing I took from it wasn't that he was saying he's English, so it's okay. What he was basically trying to say, and he knew he couldn't say, so he said it in a clumsier way that was actually worse. But what he wanted to say was, it's only a Rangers player, you know, you, and we're not as good as Rangers, so therefore we're allowed to do it and we've had this mentality about Rangers in the lower divisions over the last few years of such as well you're the bigger club so therefore we're allowed to suspend the rules we're allowed to get tore into you nobody likes you anyway so it's it's quite alright for us to get out and kick your players and that, think, that to me was I, what it was it comes to me as so I agree with that I think that there was one part of it which also felt to me a bit like as if even if he does get injured, so what? You can bring in another loanee or you've got yeah. sort of a big enough squad to replace him. It's not that much of a problem, which is which is a pretty disgusting way to look at it. But um, I also, like you say, I mean, I think ultimately it, it, it does dial back to that idea of he knew that the doer was going to be a problem. Um, I don't think Burchill's really got much beyond this idea of let's try and get into them give them a few early ones, try and put them back in their, in their pen a wee bit and then if, if we manage to keep frustrating them, if the crowd's big enough and loud enough, they'll start getting on their backs. He's he, he seen that before when we were in uh, when we were in this, this horrendous state last season, that you know if we were starting to really struggle against them. Uh, we did it towards the tail end of last season actually, when, uh, when we drew Livingston at Livingston. Uh, and three quarters of the stadium were booing the Rangers team because of how bad we were playing. So he's seen this at first hand in terms of, you know, if you start putting in about them, you know, we'll rattle them. Hopefully it'll get the home crowd on their backs to be a bit blah, 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 blah. Because tactically, he's not got much else rather than two lines of five. So it's just really disappointing, I think, that 
it's to me the, the big attraction should be coming to Scotland so you get games to do this and if you're a, 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 an English academy then you can you can go geographically somewhere that's not too far away so that you're not ostracising your family and everything else as well but how, how is this attracting players to the game if they think they're just going to have to come up and basically deal with potentially getting your leg broken well that's a wider point and I think a very good one we were a country that had players like Jim Baxter and yes Jimmy Johnston uh, Tanner Ball players guys with outrageous bits of skill that, that we loved and we grew up on those you know the, the old joke about the, the Scots fans being you know apart from apart from uh, Brazilians we loved Pele and Maradona you know practically a Scotsman after 86 and all that sort of stuff we've always loved skillful players and now we don't this all goes back to Nathan Adua's flick it all goes back to that flick he tried you see idiots you know, there was a player from Berwick Rangers I'm not even going to name Celtic fan obviously who said well if he's going to come up here and act a big man that's going to happen so in other words if he's going to go up here and try and be skillful and try and entertain players we're allowed to foul him not we will show him by winning the match or taking the ball off him fairly but we'll hurt him you know we'll cause him injury and that makes us a good a good team I despise this it's holding us back we used to encourage skill now we're scared of it now we're frightened of it and it angers us if you look at let's look at some Scotland captains Gary McAllister one of the finest players Scotland's produced in the last 30 years booed out of the national team Barry Ferguson probably the best player of his generation booed out of the Scotland team kicked out um, because of if you're already disliked by most of the Scotland fans Scott Brown half wit no good at football, no discernible talent, doesn't do anything but runs about like a plastic hard man. He, he looks a guy that would, as I say, kind of struggle to open a cereal packet without cutting his fingers. But he's loved for some reason. And we, we, we get half what's terms of he's a £10 million player, when quite clearly he's not a 20 quid player. And it's going to hold us back because the rest of the world are moving on. They're inspired by Tiki Taka. They're inspired by this great football we see. Whereas we're going, hey, if you're going to come here and try and dribble, then we're going to break you. Scott, Scott Brown summed it up for me perfectly in Old Firm game when uh, 89 minutes with Celtic winning 2 0, he safed Ian Black and pointed and laughed at the scoreboard and all that. And that, and that for me, is the epitome of our attitude towards this whole thing. Um, we'll nail you, and uh, as soon as we've made our point, and as soon as the game's over, then we'll just set out to give you a wee, a wee knock. And uh, it's just, it's so backwards. Where's the development? No, there is none. We're not, we're not looking to encourage good players. We're looking to say that if you're going to try something a bit different, if you're going to be skillful, we, because of our lack of ability are then allowed to hurt you. We're then allowed to try and cause you injury because we can't match you in skill. That's ridiculous. So what we'll do is we'll just kick you. And it's so. And then we wonder why we're getting left in the dirt by the rest of the world. It's the. It's probably the advertising of it for me. It's the idea of uh, other clubs being able to try and do the same thing that Warburton's done and look at some players down south and, and, and potentially put Scotland a little bit more on the map in terms of a possibility of being able to try and come here on loan and, and get some games under your belt and do all that as well and who, who's going to risk doing that who's going to risk their career coming here to do that even if you come up for 6 months or 12 months or whatever, no one's going to do it No, because they're going to come up here and think yeah that's great I'll be able to go up to Scotland go and play in 
East Fife and Alloa and all these absolutely glamorous locations and I'll also get my legs snapped in two while I'm doing it. Yeah. You've got to remember here as well, Livingston, let's go back to the virtual thing, Livingston are bottom in the league, okay, they're not playing well. This is a petrified cup that we're talking about here. This isn't do or die, this isn't, you know, survival of the fittest or anything like that as well from Livingston's perspective. This is a cup which, quite frankly, they could probably have done without because their focus right now has to be in the league. So see, at the end of the day, why the hell are you doing this? Yeah, why not go and treat it as a free hit and have a go? Exactly. Try and play a bit of football. See it as just that kind of game of football, which, do you know what, it's more than anything else, you should utilise the opportunity to play against a better team to really test how good you are, because Rangers are the best team in the division, and now you've got, to all intents and purposes, a bounce game against them. So what to do is go out there and try and see if you can match them, because you're going to be playing them in the league anyway, so any points that you get against a, a team like Rangers and playing how well they are to now as well as a point gain, it doesn't matter if it's one or three, you'll expect to get nothing. So right now, why not seriously test yourself against them? And and, and this is this is what we're, we're met with. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. Now, we've got two away fixes coming up, and I am of the belief that although we've dipped, I actually think playing at Ibrox has been a reason for that, because I think that we've had, as you say, teams playing ultra-defensive formations that they won't be allowed to at home, especially as our next two matches are St Mirren and Hibs. Key matches, if we were to lose both, I think it opens up the title race again. If we were to win both, it probably ends it as a title race. I mean, how should Rangers be approaching these two matches? I, I, I agree with you. I think that, that it's almost, it feels a little bit to me like as if uh, Ibrox is like the main stage and we sell it out because we want to see a performance and we want to see all these stars and all the rest of it and stuff. And when you play away from home, it's almost like that's your kind of bread and butter. But you've also got to remember, and this doesn't matter what division we've played in, for whatever league we have won, whether it's the third division or the SPL, you don't win leagues by beating teams like Celtic and, and, and League Opposite. You do it by going away and churning out results when you have to and actually getting the, the, the points that you deserve. And we've actually, I think, really upped our game and upped our mentality when we've been away at some of these places um, and, and actually been able to try and get a result back from it. It almost feels as if the players are slightly more, not relaxed as stuff, but it almost feels as if they're a bit more focused. Um, so I, I would anticipate I would like to believe that we'll go we'll go away to both and get six points from both games uh, I, I don't really agree that if we were to lose both for example that it splits the league back open again I still think that we'll win that very very comfortably um, I, I think Hibs are starting to really put a game together now so I think that will be a much tougher threat than it was at the start of the season I don't look upon that that um, the 6-2 game is, a, is, a, is a definitive any longer I think that now Hibs will really start to test this that's the, that's the danger one for me Yeah I think that both of them I know that, that speaking to a, a few chaps I know that are St Mirren fans are concerned about Ian Murray that they, they feel that they may have blundered in his appointment and that maybe he was a wee bit overrated um, because they were very happy when he was appointed but since then they've not been impressed at all uh, not even not impressed I think he needs time but just you know that the guy's got nothing but a win against Rangers would go a long way to to changing those opinions so they're going to be fired up for it and they're always fired up for us turning up anyway there's been a lot of talk Cammy about a plan B and a lack of plan B Mark Warburton's m- memorable statement was plan B is doing plan A better which is a great soundbite but is there concern that we may be a wee bit one dimensional? I think it dials back for me David the, the, the Queen of the South goal was far too familiar I don't know what it is but it feels to me as if we're asleep defending set pieces in our own third it, at corners it just feels to me as if we're not 
we're nowhere near alert enough. And I don't know what it is. It's really frustrating because it's great to have this mentality of, yeah, let's have a style and we don't change it. And it's it's going to be pretty much continually offensive. Um, but the, just some of the goals that we're losing, that kind of South Zone really, really made me angry, actually, because it's so, it's so basic. Yeah. It, it's so straightforward. And it just made us, it made us look like as if we'd been completely undone. But in actual fact, there's so many possible ways to defend such a simplistic goal that we should have done far better than that. This is the kind of stuff that we really need to start focusing on now. We really do need to tighten up. And I know that we've spoken on the pod before about, you know, effectively it's like a two-man back four where the wing-backs are too far forward, so therefore this is a corner we're defending here. And it's not the first one that we've can St. Johnson is exactly the same. Where I don't care, there's no excuse for this. You can put 11 men in the box like we used to if you really want to. But to be so undone, oh, it's just, it's, 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 it angers me a lot. But I think it's right to continue playing in that style. But also touches on what we said earlier on, what happens if you get key injuries? What happens if Tav gets injured tomorrow? Do you know what I mean? What yeah. happens if, if, if any of these guys have to step away from that? Will... Warburton feel as if any replacement he has to put in there will, you know, fill that gap sufficiently because I don't, I don't see it personally. No, I'm the same. Um, but then at the same perspective, it's great having a style, but the style is because of the players that you have at your disposal. Start removing some of those key assets, then you need to have a plan B, and I would be interested to see what that looks like. Yeah, me too. Well, that's pretty much it from Heart and Hand this week. Uh, all that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Paul Miles and um, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Paul Miles and Mr. Mike Lee. I nearly all the 160 times I've done that, and I nearly screwed it up. Our sound engineer, Mr. Charlie Ashworth. And to tell you, you can get in touch with us. Uh, it just Heart and Hand on Facebook, just search for it, you'll find us. You can email ibroxrocks at playbackmedia.co.uk and you can also follow us on Twitter, ibroxrocks. You can also follow Cami. Cami, tell them where. So I'm on Twitter as Beat That Beat. Love it. I can't, I'm, I'm really getting into the Twitter now. They, they should have invented it a long time ago and made it easy enough for me to use. Yes, <laughs> so get Cammy, he's, he's still a sort of in his, his Twitter golden stage, he's still enjoying it, he hasn't been sucked down by the, the morass yet, so, so go and talk to him, um, he's always entertaining, and Cammy, can I just thank you very much for stepping in at the last minute mate, it's much appreciated. It's fine, it just means that I'm going to take that one step closer to replacing Scott permanently. Well, well, the way things are going, I think we have to look at that as, as a long term. Scott is kind of like Danny Wilson this season, which you'll hate because he can't stand them. But Scott, you know, he started with a lot of fanfare, but it's beginning to creak now, and you're Dominic Ball stepping in and impressing people and turning a few heads. I like that, I like that analogy, yeah. Let's say. Uh, Let's see as to whether or not we can make this a, a permanent thing. <laughs> My name's David Edgar, I've been your host, I've loved talking to you, and I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers, bye. This show is brought to you in association with Labbooks. Just click the link on the description to the show, sign up and get a free bet up to £50 when you enter the promo code LAD50. 
Go on, do it. This is a playback media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.